This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon, with you on this beautiful. Beautiful. As we get you ready here for week number four, and you're listening, of course, to Reception Perception, the show. Uh, Matt Harmon, how are you feeling, my guy? Feeling pretty good, man. Uh, just charted a game of George Pickens, uh, so actually Ooh, not feeling feeling really good <laughs> um, because I had to watch <laughs> Mr. Bisky play quarterback. Um, you know, I actually I feel kind of bad that I disrespected Geno Smith by saying that the um, Seahawks were running out an unserious quarterback situation in 2022 right. because. Look, well, I mean, you can't really say that about the Steelers because they did draft a a quarterback in the first round. Like, their promising young guy is a guy they picked in the first round, not Drew frickin' Locke, which is like the Seahawks' promising (laughs) young guy, quote-unquote, there on the depth chart. So, (laughs) not not great. But, I mean, Geno Smith, if Geno Smith was on the Steelers, these receivers would be going berserk, man. Uh, Geno's played really well this year. I agree. Uh, it played really well. I mean, he, I think he leads the NFL in completion percentage over expectation right now. And by, by a, by a gap too, like he's, he's, he's done. He's done by the way, what Russell Wilson would never do in Seattle, which is just execute the offense, take the layups and move it, matriculate it down the field. Um, anyways, they isn't, bring this all back. That we, that's, that's what we talked about in the last podcast, man. The fact uh-huh. that again, we, we, it's like, listen, yeah. apologies to Gino, man, like play it up. You know, like he had that awesome line. It's like, yes. dude, you know what? Make us all eat it for sure. I love it. Yeah. I feel bad for being so disrespectful to, to Gino because I, I thought that the Steelers, you know, Mike Tomlin, hell of a coach, Mike Tomlin, w- yes. one of the best coaches in the NFL. I feel like he's being a little stubborn with this whole Mitch Trubisky thing. Like it's, it's enough already with Mitch. The receivers hate him. His like, I'm not sure what what looks worse, James, the receivers' body language or Mitch's body language. Like, they know he sucks, and he knows he sucks. Like by by just by looking at the by looking at him, man. So I mean, um, I, George Pickens. They're also just having him run wind sprints down the field, go routes and corner routes. So at least he's he's gonna come out of this season looking real trim for all the run for all the cardio he's getting. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting his steps in, you know. 100%. Yeah, he's get, yeah. I hope he's got his uh, Fitbit on or his Apple yeah. Watch or whatever out there. Yep. Got to get those steps in, dude. Gotta get... 
Hey, listen, we got a great show lined up in front of us here today. Uh, not going to be talking about in-depth uh, George Pickens. We'll, we will save that for a future podcast. But uh, we are going to talk about another great rookie in Chris Olave. Uh, potentially talk here about Romeo Dobbs as well. I feel like mm. we're talking about a lot of rookies. That's cool. You another young player that we're going to knock out here. How about Josh Palmer? How's he doing? Uh, for the L.A. Chargers. And then finally, speaking of, this is all young players, apparently, because we're going to be talking about Darnell Mooney as well. Is there any hope for Darnell Mooney moving forward? But can we start with the good? Uh, let's talk about there in New Orleans. Chris Olave exploded onto the scene there. Um, and we saw glimpses of this, right? And we were talking about this even last week. Hey, listen, when you're seeing that many air yards, you don't have to connect on that many of them to be highly productive. But Chris Olave is, a, in my opinion, a, a, a great uh, downfield threat. And Jameis is the kind of player that will try to test uh, the deep boundaries. And, and, you know, I tell you what, Chris Olave looked pretty good. I think Chris Olave looks awesome. Um, I think he looks just like the player that um, that we thought he would be coming into the NFL, right? Like he was number one in success rate versus man and press coverage among the prospects charted last year was a pro level route runner. And he was also um, the best downfield receiver among the guys uh, taken last year. Obviously, Jamison Williams, who we haven't seen yet, could certainly compete in that category as well because he's just got unbelievable play speed but yeah man Olavi looks great and it, this is hilarious uh, about his his route chart through the first three weeks over 54 mm -hmm. percent of his routes have either been a nine post or corner or an out route so like all wow <laughs> that, that talk about getting your steps in uh talking about <laughs> talking about getting your cardio in but also actually you know having some production to go along with it i mean there are, I think I've said this on a few episodes, there is certainly a lot of prayer yards in those air yards for Chris Olave coming from Jameis Winston, but he is still connecting on them. And I, I think Olave just looks great. Right now, 71.4% success rate versus man through the first three weeks, 84.8% success rate versus zone, and an 80% success rate versus press. Those are wow. awesome, awesome numbers. And you know, one of the criticisms of Chris Olave was uh, that he you know, doesn't really deal with physical play. Well, I never personally saw that as a concern. I think the success rate versus press would show you that he can deal with physical coverage, um, certainly. So I think he looks like a number one receiver, and especially based on the way Michael Thomas has looked through the first three weeks, and he's also, again, dealing with injuries. Like I know. I, I don't think he looks – I don't I don't think he looks good Michael Thomas as a separator certainly like not even close to um, his old standard so I think Chris Olave is the best receiver on this roster right now both from a real life and a fantasy standpoint rest of the season yeah you talk about Jarvis Landry too we talked about this uh, in a, a much earlier podcast about how the Saints have um, when everyone is healthy one of the best trios of wide receivers in the NFL again when everyone is healthy Michael <laughs> Thomas as you mentioned dealing with injury Jarvis Landry now dealing with injury too yeah, I mean, those are the old guys, right? Uh, it's awesome that Thomas has made this comeback, but he's just come back to be like a um, clearly diminished version of himself, like a very, very much a lesser version than what he was when we saw him at the height of his powers. So um, I'll say this about Thomas. He still um, he still wins in tight coverage. Like he's still got really good, strong hands in, in, in close contested situations, but He's in a lot more contested situations than than he previously has been. Uh, he, his data is also, along with Chris Olave, up on um, the in-season tracker on receptionperception.com. So make sure you subscribe and check that out. And it's just tough to square when you look at where Olave is right now mm -hmm. and where you look at Michael Thomas is right now. It's hard to say like that Thomas is – it just is clear that Chris Olave is better. Um, and I think that obviously when Jameis is in there, Olave is like downfield route running his downfield style – 
that's yeah. going to suit him. Um, but you know, Jameis Winston's also hurt. And, you know, I, I like to say, James, it ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Like once you have a bad back, <laughs> you have a bad back and right. Jameis is dealing with a back injury. And so we might see Andy Dalton at some point, which I know Andy gross. Dalton, like kind of got, yeah, I know. I know it's gross, but like he kind of got turned into a meme. Um, thanks to the bears. Cause they did that whole like QB one nonsense Twitter thing a couple of years ago with him. Right. But Andy Dalton's like, you know, if he's, whatever, like it could, it could be worse. Basically drop it. I don't even think Jameis has been that good this year. I think Jameis has been like probably good for fantasy and like production in the, the prairie yards and yeah. stuff like that. But, um, not, not like, not like Jameis is running an efficient offense there in new Orleans either. Well, I think we saw a lot of hope, right? Uh, week one. Now that being said, it was against Atlanta. Okay. I yeah. get it. Week two, I think we were able to say, okay, it's Tampa Bay. Um, these guys are going to wreck a lot of quarterbacks as we saw um, clearly, but you know, and then in week three, when they take on Carolina, oh my gosh, man, the Carolina defense was coming after Jameis. Um, I think they knew about, I mean, obviously they know about the back. They came after Jameis, I think quite a bit, uh, and really forced him into uncomfortable situations. That being said, Jameis was Jameis. He doesn't want to check down. He doesn't look underneath, still continues to look deep over the top, uh, even in, in, in negative situations. Um, and that has always been a problem with Jameis Winston. So, yeah, you're right. Um, I think some of his bad habits are still yeah. very much on display. We thought maybe Sean Payton had coached a lot of that out of him last year. Mm, maybe not the case. Yeah, I think they had just put um, they'd put Jameis in such a, a tight box, you know, like they weren't letting him really. They weren't going to let him go out there and shoot himself in the foot, basically, with, with Jameis Winston, you know, and everything like that. Right. But, you know, right now at this point, the Saints, um, they rank 27th in dropback EPA right now. Like, they're, they've are they just not been a good passing offense, even with Olave popping off here. So that's what I'm saying, that, like, even if we lose Jameis at some point, um, yeah. he succumbs to the back injury. You know, the offensive line has not really played very well either so far. That's yeah. why they can't really run the ball, why they are allowing a lot of pressure. I just think that, like, even if Andy Dalton gets in there, like, Chris Olave will be okay. I just want to be betting on – like, we're going to talk about a lot of rookies. I feel like we talked about a lot of rookies on the podcast, like, yeah. so far this year because these guys are awesome. And, like, I think when you can bet on young talent that's showing itself to be incredible – like, don't try to second guess it too much. Like, don't – some guys are going to come on a slow burn. You know, we talked about Traylon Burks on the last podcast. Like, our yeah. guy Sky Moore is certainly coming on a slow burn there in Kansas City. I'm not, like, going to write those players off forever. But when guys like Garrett Wilson go out and ball the F out, you know, like, mm -hmm. believe it the believe it when you see it, right? So, I think that Chris <laughs> Olave is showing us that. So, I want to keep, like, buying in on that talent and everything. Um, it just Saints are Saints are just a weird team because I think – they, they've really kind of I think they've kind of lost this bet where um, they've you know gone all in and like kicked the can down the road for so many years that right. um, they're really hinging like if they're going to be a good team they're going to have to hinge on Jameis Winston being like the best version of himself and so far like what's the any what's mixed the, bag, also like mixed bag not mixed bag and also like saints what what is the best version of Jameis Winston like, what, <laughs> the best version of Jameis Winston is is what James like maybe the 17th best quarterback in the NFL. So I thought, I mean, it was kind of strange that it was just like a Jameis or bust operation, but I guess yeah. maybe that's not. And that's why they have Andy Dalton. It's just like, when you really look at it, you're like, what? Like that was, that was your plan this year was Winston. And right. Yeah. I don't know, but whatever. We're getting away from the point, which is just that like Chris Olave is really good at football and um, yeah, he's going to be good. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me ask you a follow-up question about Chris Olave. So the vast majority of his um, routes right now are deep downfield, right? So um, it it does bring up a question of, okay, does he need to now expand that route tree? Does he, is he in your tracking, is he able to run, you know, a curl or a slant Um, things that, you know, are short in nature, intermediate in nature, because when we start talking about, okay, can this guy make the leap? We're talking about the leap into you know, top 15, top 12, mm-hmm. top 10 wide receivers, you got to be able to run the entire round tree. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's Will Fuller, right? Where he's just running early. Like he's certainly not a guy that like Will Fuller is like the best version of that player, right? That only, that mm-hmm. really is a deep, deep specialist. And then you like go down the rankings and you get into like the MVS tour territory. And he's like, certainly not in the MVS territory when that's like literally all MVS does well is run right. uh, corners and deep routes. Um, I know. I think that Chris Olave, like the second, the f- the funny part is like we talk about all those deep patterns. His yeah. his second most common route from just a standalone percentage, it's the nine route, and then it's the the, the curl route. So he has run a lot of curl routes too. Um, you know, some of those are not the like sh- shallow hitches. You know, little just some of them are pretty deep down the field curl routes still. Again, okay. but um, <laughs> I do think he is a full field route runner. Like just when you look at the overall um success rate on a route by route basis, I think the more they put on his plate, the more that he can handle. And um, honestly, like when you see guys like George Pickens, for example, who we were just talking about at the, at the top, he's got a very downfield route tree, and it's kind of his success rate versus man and pre- zone coverage scores are lower probably than in a couple of games. I'm not full through the full sample. So just using this as an example, because he's running those downfield routes, like his success rate is lower. The fact that Olave is running all those downfield routes and he's 70 plus percent against man coverage. He's 83% against zone. Like that's That's really, really, really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's insanely good. Um, Obviously Olave has got some speed uh, to burn. No doubt about it. I I want to go back to what you just said about Michael Thomas. It's interesting to me, right? Well, first of all, look, you you lose one of your all pro left tackles in free agency. So, you know, protection is going to be a little bit, it's going to be a little dicey, you know, uh, as they try to figure out what's going on there for the O line. But I know it's funny that previous seasons, Michael Thomas did not deserve the moniker of slant boy, but would he serve himself well by being an underneath specialist now at this point in his career, as he continues to ramp back up from injury? Probably only 22.3% of his routes have been a slant or a flat so far this year. Um, And it's, I think it's like 15% slants out of, out of that 22%. So is that strange to you? It's, it's very different from usual. I mean, he's usually up at like at one season. I think he <laughs> one season. I think he was like thirty six percent slants. I, if I would have to look back at like the historical database. 
Okay. <laughs> Which, but but like in some of his big big years, I think that was like 2017 or or something like that. But like his 2018 2019 season, which were some of um his best in reception perception, he was around like 28 30 percent slant routes, which is not totally uncommon. Like guys like Julio Jones have been in that territory before. Guys like um AJ Green or DeAndre Hopkins have been in that territory before. Um, but still, like yeah, again, that's a far cry from now. He's at like 15 16 percent slants. That's a that's more than 10% drop off from some of those peak years. So I think, I, I think it's probably because you, you want him working more downfield because Jameis is a more downfield oriented player, but I think they could kind of cut him back closer to the line of scrimmage. And I will say he's going to make plays down the field because he's still pretty good in contested situations. He's had nine contested targets through three games. He's won eight of them so far wow. in my tracking. So yeah, he's still, he's still really, really good in that area. So I get, they're probably still getting downfield looks because of that, but I agree with your overall point that he still has really good hands. He's still good on those slant routes, stuff like that. That's probably the the best use for him. He's just I, – I can't stress this enough that his overall success rates versus man, press, and zone are so, so far below um, not just, hit, like I said, those peak, peak seasons, but even like what yeah. we saw in 2020. You know, it's interesting. When I look back at uh, his alignment data from, you know, this year versus, you know, what we had, what he had in 20, I don't know, I, I looked at 2019. I think is probably a more fair sample of, of usage. Yeah. Um, and his, his route or his alignment data, it's interesting. They've increased the amount of outside snaps that he takes. And I get it. Jarvis Landry is now in the building. Boy, okay, yeah. fine. But... Um, you know, Michael Thomas in 2019 played about 75% of his snaps lined up outside, 25% lined up inside. Now that's gone up to 85% outside and about mm. 15% inside. To me, I think that's a strange usage. Um, if you've got a clear downfield guy who, as you mentioned, is winning, I'm assuming the coaching staff knows this dude, Chris Olave, is winning downfield. Do we really need Michael Thomas running all of these outside routes as well? I guess I, I just I have some kind of like, you know, schematic questions there for the Saints. I think the the response to that would probably be also, by the way, like Traquan Smith that played a little bit in week three and he's hurt too. So just to add on to that, just remember that like that's another injury that they got going on there in the wide receiver room. But right. I, I think the Saints would probably say that because of Olave's like size and speed profile, you probably, and they have been primarily using him at flanker. That's probably the position they want him to play. And Michael Thomas has historically you know, when he came into the NFL, he was kind of pegged as like the next Marcus Colston, like a big slot receiver for the Saints. But he never really played that position because as soon as they traded Brandon Cooks, like they threw Michael, even the, the year that him and Cooks had together in New Orleans, Michael Thomas was always the X receiver. Like he was never the um, big slot guy. He always played that X receiver position because he's so good at beating press coverage and so good at getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, I think you could maybe ask that, James, that at this point, as you like maybe have him be more of a Larry Fitzgerald type. I always go back to Fitz as the guy who extended right. his career moving into that big slot receiver position. Um, you know, maybe this offensive coaching staff can ask themselves that question as Michael Thomas ages, because I do think he is still like really good hands and stuff like that. Um, yeah. that you probably want him in those like layup target situations. The problem is just like, you, then you're not going to play Jarvis Landry at X. Cause those would just be wasted no. routes. And and I think you, you probably do still want to play, 
maybe they could play Chris Olave at, at X receiver, but I think he's probably best suited as a flanker, even if he is so great against press coverage. So I don't know. That's a, that is an interesting question. I think that it would probably be better. Like if, if we get a headline that, Oh, Michael Thomas is going to play more slot receiver. Yeah. Um, that would probably be good for him, but it might also take like, it might take him an off season to kind of get that down, you know? So I, I don't know. I just, we're still a little bit in the wilderness with Michael Thomas, I think. Yeah, look, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I, I don't know. To me, it seems like, okay, why don't we slide a lot into the X? Why don't we have Jarvis play a little flanker? Because he played a lot of flanker in Cleveland, too. Um, and then and then again, just have Michael Thomas get – just keep the chains moving. Like, listen, for I, I know he hates the moniker, but golly, he is so good on those <laughs> yeah, slant know, routes. I know, I know. He's yeah. so good. Like, yeah. And you just run those slant routes from the, from the slot – Who's really going to, I mean, who is going to be able to stop that? You keep the chains moving, you keep the offense moving, and you give yourself positive down and distance so that Jameis doesn't shoot himself in the foot. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Um, I'm just spitballing here. Look, these guys in the NFL, obviously, they know a hell of a lot more than I do. I'm just spitballing here. You know, just yeah. 30,000 feet in the sky. Looking down at the Saints offense, especially what they did against Carolina, they didn't look good. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of prayer balls deep down. That's not a functional offense, you know, um, um, and it showed and it showed itself there in week three. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Uh, it shows itself. And I mean, I think the the big takeaway here, though, is the Saints need to do whatever's best for um, Chris Olave long term. Not as much like what's best for Michael Thomas long term, because, you know, we can't forget, too, they invested a ton to move up in the draft to get Chris Olave, right? right. Like yeah. they've nailed this player evaluation and he is, I think, going to be like, there's a chance he's just the best offensive player on the Saints, period. If like Alvin Kamara doesn't turn things around, like Kamara looks like he's lost a step through the first three weeks of the season. So, um, which again, also, by the way, not great that like the Saints have bet that we'll get the best version of Michael Thomas when he comes back. And we'll get the best version of Alvin Kamara when he comes back. And like, it looks like they've <laughs> swung and miss on both of those. So then it's Whoops. just Chris Olave and Chris, Chris Olave in the prayer prayer circle there with the prayer oh yards boy. and stuff like that. Oh so um, yeah, I mean, we'll see, man. I, I just, the, the main take here is Chris Olave looks like he's balling. He should be yeah. the best. He's the best player on the offense right now. Um, and you know, now we just have to see like how many good weeks he can continue to stack here um, where they're yeah. going to play the Vikings on in London. Uh, so pretty cool. If you have him on your fantasy team, you're going to get those points nice and early. You'll probably, if you're a West Coaster, uh, you're sleeping <laughs> off your hangover. You're you're going to get that breakfast burrito. You already have those points in your lineup, man. But um, last go. last point too, just to talking about that Saints game. Yeah, the Panthers defense is so weird to me. I I actually kind of I like some of the stuff that Phil Snow does. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they like never press. They never press anybody, despite the fact that they drafted like a press man corner and J.C. Horn really, really high in the draft last year. And J.C. Yeah. Horn's a good player, but yeah, he's playing um, well. He plays well, but it just it's it, it's an interesting kind of fit. They get the Cardinals, the 49ers, the the Rams, and then hopefully like a healthy Bucks team in week seven. Um, they just play so much soft zone coverage and back it up like that could be a Jameis thing because like, oh, yeah, just back it like back it up a little Jameis will he'll make some mistakes he'll throw it to us but um I don't know like you know this Greg Dorch guy if he if Rondo Moore's still not out there he could catch like 10 um 10 passes for 76 yards against this team I I oh my gosh I totally agree it's so funny I have Greg Dorch in pen as my favorite deep sleeper of the week man like yeah. I think that Carolina gives up, well, they do, uh, statistically and just visually. They give up a ton of production underneath to slot receivers. and man, we're, going, we're going into the weeds here. 